You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Um, great to worship with you guys this morning. Uh, commend you for coming out on a holiday weekend to worship with your spiritual family and hope that those of you who have family or friends in town that you guys really enjoy each other's company during this long weekend. If you are visiting today, I'll introduce myself. My name is Justin. I serve as the associate pastor here at Midtown. And today we're doing something really fun. We're kicking off the Psalms of Summer. This is something that we've done for the last five years where we teach through the, some of the different Psalms. And if you're familiar with the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. And so I did the math this week. And if we continue at the pace of doing four to six of these every summer, we'll be done in 25 years. So I don't know if you plan to stick around that long. I, don't, I probably don't, but no promises that we're going to get to them all. But uh, the Psalms of Summer is really a fun series because the Psalms are just so fun to, to get in, insight into. Uh, one of the things that's unique about the Psalms is they're kind of in the genre called the, the poetry genre of scripture. And so they're interesting to study because you're, you're kind of getting insight into looking into people's prayers and looking into people's worship lives. And it's so fun to read. You've got some Psalms that are poetry, uh, some that are prayers, some that are songs. You've got some that are Psalms of praise or thanksgiving or even calls to worship. You've got some that are Psalms of lament, Psalms of petition, Psalms of crying out for justice. You've got some that are Psalms of remembrance, some that are Psalms of instruction. And so it's so fun to look at the Psalms. And I'll say it because I say it every summer. And I hope you guys have it memorized. What is it, my phrase that I say every, uh, about the Psalms? Thank you. Barry's with it. So there's a Psalm for every season. Thank you, Barry. Just took five years and now it's in your head. Now you all remember it. I really believe it's true because the Psalms, you get so many different perspectives that you, I find that one of the things that I love to do is just find a Psalm for a season. One that I read and as you read through them, you might just grab a Psalm or maybe it's even just like a verse or two in a Psalm that you just say, yes, that's where my heart is right now. And that's what I'm going to pray continually throughout the season. And so our hope is that we, as we do this for the next seven weeks, Maybe one of these will become your psalm for this season, no matter where you're, where you're at in life, no matter where your emotional state is at, maybe God will lead you to a psalm of this season for you. And if not, one of these psalms that we teach over the next seven weeks, then just read the psalms all the way through yourself and you'll find one, I promise. There's a psalm for every season. And so uh, today we're going to have Kristen read our passage. If you're able, uh, we invite you to stand in honor of God's word. And we're going to read from Psalm 141, the psalm that we'll start off the series with. Psalm of David, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. They will say, as one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give, give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. 
Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. It's the word of the Lord. Speak to God. <clears throat> Many of the Psalms like this one are a prayer. And so I wanted to start off by asking you a question. What do you pray about most? What do you pray about most? Or who do you pray for the most? We're all probably different. We all have different prayer lives, but I would, I would guess that most of us spend most of our time praying for the people that we love the most. We're praying for needs or we're praying for those that have the most need in our life. Someone that's in a, in a situation and we're praying for our friends that are wandering from God. What about you? What is it that you pray about most? Odds are that it's for other people. But what about how, many, how do you pray for yourself? This is a prayer of David praying for himself. How often do you actually pray for yourself? I'd venture to say that we probably do pray for ourselves often, but I bet most of the time what we pray for ourselves is we're praying about the circumstantial things in our lives, what I would call the give us this day our daily bread. And we're invited to do that. That's part of the Lord's prayer. God wants us to come to him with all of our needs and all of our circumstances and to pray for all the situations going on in our lives. So I bet when we do pray for ourselves, that's our most natural thing is to pray for the situations in our lives. I'll ask another question though. How often do you pray for your own spiritual health and your own spiritual growth. That's a different kind of prayer. That's also in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus told, taught us to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. How often do you pray those kind of prayers for yourself? This is the kind of prayer that David is praying for himself. He's praying for his own spiritual health, his own spiritual growth, his own spiritual life. And I have to admit that I was teasing you all with those questions. I don't know how you answered them in your head, but I was super convicted this week because I don't pray that way for myself enough. And so for, for, uh, the, the truth is that this psalm, this whole week, as I've been studying it, preparing uh, to teach this, I've been thinking, you know, I need this probably more than everyone else here. And so uh, trust me when I say that when I'm teaching this today, I'm actually preaching to myself because this is a prayer that I want to learn to pray for myself. And I don't want to just pray that give me the daily bread prayers as good as that is. I want to pray, lead me not into patience. And I was inspired this week by looking at David's heart and the things that he wanted to see God do in his life. And I was inspired to think, I want to ask God to do those things in my life as well. I started asking myself, well, what, is the, what, what are the reasons why maybe it's not common that we pray for ourselves that way? And I thought of a bunch of different reasons, but I kind of boiled it down to two that I thought are the main things. One is shame and one is pride. Shame is when we get come to God in prayer and we want to start praying for God to do something in our lives and we start to pray a lead me not in temptation prayer and we think, well, I've already fallen in that too many times. And so why would I go and ask again? Or I'm ashamed to go ask again. Or you, you think about your spiritual condition is just not where you want it to be. And so it's hard to come to God and ask for him to change your spiritual condition. You got caught up in shame. But the other is pride, where you don't think that you need anything. And so it's easy for you to pray for other people because you're looking at what's going on in their lives and you think that you're doing pretty good. And so you're praying for them, but you rarely think about your own spiritual growth to pray for yourself. Another temptation is pride. And so whether it's shame or pride or many other different reasons, those prevent us from praying these kind of prayers where we're praying for God to do work in our lives and praying for our own spiritual health and our own spiritual growth. Well, that's what David does here. In the Psalm, we see a guy named David. In the New Testament, he's called a man after God's own heart. And so we know that David is close to God and he, he loves God, has a great relationship with God. But we also know about David that David did a lot of terrible things. But we also know of David that he was the most powerful man in the world. So he had every reason to be shameful, every reason to be prideful, yet he still would come to God with this prayer that we're going to look at today. And I hope that as we look at this prayer that you'll be convicted like I was convicted that, man, these are things I ought to be praying for myself. These are things that we ought to be praying for ourselves. So we're going to look at five things that David prays for himself. And my hope is that one or maybe more of them would, would you'd latch onto it and say, yes, 
That's a prayer I want to start praying for myself. I want to pray for my own spiritual health, my own spiritual growth. So let's look at David's five prayers. First prayer is for God to be near to him. I call to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. His first prayer is just the nearness of God. Come quickly to me. I want, I want you to come near to me. And you're going to see in a minute when I explain, he's saying, come near to me as I come near to you. One of the things that's unique when you read the poetry parts of scripture, particularly in the Psalms, is you got to catch the repetition. And, and one of the things that he does in this Psalm in particular is he, he prays repetitious prayers throughout all of it. So his two prayers here are come quickly to me when I call to you. And then may my prayer be set before you like incense. It's a repetition of saying, I'm coming to you. Like what I want most, God, is just for you to be close. David wanted to experience the presence of God. He wanted to know God and feel God and be with God. And when he talks about this idea of going before him, like he's bringing his incense, what he's doing is he's very tangibly thinking about the tabernacle, the tabernacle, which was the way that people worshiped back then. And, and the tabernacle was set up. It was kind of like a mobile worship center <laughs> that went around. And David was a part of getting that whole thing set up. And one of the things that they had in the tabernacle is what's called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was the mercy seat and was the Ark of the Covenant. And only the high priest could go in there once a year for the atonement of all the sins of the people. But then there was a secondary spot called the, the Holy Place. In the Holy Place, you had a golden table that had the bread on it. You had a golden lampstand and you had the altar of incense. And the priests were allowed, not just the high priest, but the priests were allowed to go into the holy place. And every morning and every evening, they had to light the incense, which symbolized the prayers of the people. And so you see that David, when he prays here, that he's coming to you know, make this be like the evening sacrifice. He's picturing himself being as close as he could get to God, like, in the, like the priest, being the ones that got as close to the holy of holies as he could to light his incense. So he's saying really two things. God, come near to me as I come near to you. What a prayer. You see, for David, the first thing that he wanted from himself was intimacy with God. He wanted to be near God because he didn't just want to pray for God to do things for him. He wanted to pray that God would just be with him. What if we could look at prayer that way? It's not just about coming to God with our needs or our requests. God welcomes us to do that. We should do that. But what if we next time we enter into a time of prayer, we think first thing that I want is I just want God. I don't want stuff from God. I just want him. I want to be near him. That's David's first prayer request. When he prays for himself, he says, I just want the nearness of God in my life. Amazing prayer. Secondly, he prays this. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. His prayer here is to guard his mouth. Again, you see the repetition. He prays it two ways, guard my mouth, and then also look, uh, watch over the door of my lips. Now, in this psalm in particular, some of the psalms, you can actually know the context of when that actually happened. This one we really don't know. So we don't know what the context was that David was experiencing that he would pray this for himself. But we know from all of David's life that he had a lot of conflict, whether it was conflict with Saul before he became king or when, it, when he was king and all the nations were coming against him, or whether after his sin, his family got broke up and his family was very broken. We know that David had all kinds of experiences like that. And so somewhere along the way, he's, he realizes he's got to watch his lips, right? You ever feel like you have to watch your lips? Ever make any mistakes with your words? I see some raised hands. You can do that if you like. We're all, we can all say that. We've all, we've all said things that we wish that we could take back. We've all sinned 
against the Lord and against other people about what we said, whether it's slander or gossiping or boasting that we do with our words, whether it's foul language or, or, or jokes that are inappropriate, innuendo, our lips need to have a guard on them. What a great thing to pray for ourselves, right? I love the book of James, and in James chapter 3, uh, James boldly says that the tongue is the thing that nobody can tame. He says, anyone that is never at fault in what they say is a perfect man. They're able to control their whole body, meaning you can have discipline in all parts of your body, but the tongue's the one that's going to get you. He goes on to call it the tongue. He says, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's the case. This is a great prayer to pray for ourselves, isn't it? I think one of Jesus' most challenging things that he ever said in the scriptures is this challenge in Matthew chapter 12. He said, make a tree and it's make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for the tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of a good man brings good things out of a good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. For by your words, you'll be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. See, Jesus taught that we don't just have a tongue problem, we have a heart problem. And if we want to see our tongue problem get solved, what it takes is the goodness of God and newness of life inside of us. And this is what David is praying for himself. When I first came to faith, I was 14. My buddy uh, Rob Maddox and I both came to faith at the same time. And so that summer, we would, we would have devotionals together every single day. We spent every day together having devotionals in the morning. And one of the things that quickly came up in my life that was one of the things that I felt like God convicted me and I wanted to change was my language. And Rob felt the same thing. I was 14 years old and I was kind of a potty mouth. And so that was one of the tangible things I tried to start working on. So Rob and I made a contest because this is what guys do as to who would cuss the least. And we would count each other's cuss words throughout the day. And I'll tell you that I lost every single day. Except one day at the park, we were in an athletic thing and something got Rob really upset. And then he just started cussing up a storm and I just started counting them. And I got more, more and more mad at me. And the more mad he got, the more he cussed. And that's the only day that I ever remember winning. <laughs> but it's true. It was just something that we really wanted to work on. And I wish I could tell you that that's it. Since the summer of 1988, I solved all of my problems. But no, I, I have to continue to pray about my tongue. Because right now, when I think about my tongue, I think about the thing I want to see God do in me is, is, is help me not raise my voice when I get in a conflict with Brenda in particular, that I need to watch my tone and I need to pray that God would help me and, and sanctify me in that area. I need to pray that God would guard over my tongue in traffic when I yell at lots of random people who can't hear me, <laughs> but it's ungodly and our tongue is hard to tame. So how wise is it? When David sits down, he prays, he wants to be near God, but then he actually talks about his tongue to God and says, guard it, watch over it. And David knew that overflow of the tongue, where it comes from the heart. And so that's where he turns next in his third prayers to pray for his heart. Protect my heart, verse four. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. David just asked God to protect his heart. Isn't that a great prayer? Protect my heart. He, he knew that he didn't just want outward change in his tongue. He wanted change from within, and he wanted his heart to be directed. Lead me not into temptation. He's praying for his heart. Again, you see this double prayer. 
first it's do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil. The second prayer, similar, do not let me eat of their delicacies. I like his uh, depiction there of temptation. See, David was very aware. David was very aware of temptation. He had known because we don't know whether this was before or after his adultery and his murder or where it was along the lines, but you see constantly in David's life that he was very aware that he was prone to wander. And so it's commonplace for David to pray like he prayed here, God, lead me not to temptation. Protect my heart. Let it not be drawn to what's evil. Please, God. Common prayer of David's. Where are you most tempted? Do you know, like David, can you, can you name the few things? God would invite you to just pray like David. Like, help me. Let my heart not be drawn to these things, God. Change me. One of the things that Jesus taught us to pray was lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our invitation is to pray like David, God, protect my heart from the things that I know are tempting me. I was convicted this week that, that I didn't do this enough, that this particular one of, the, of these prayers was the one that I just don't do enough, just to think about the things that I'm prone to temptation and asking God to protect me, to guide my heart. To be really honest, I'm really good at praying that for other people. <laughs> I know things that are going on in my nieces and nephews' lives, and I'm interceding for them regularly. I know things that are going on in many of your lives, and I'm interceding for them regularly. But I was convicted this week to say, hey, Justin, like, why don't you pray that for yourself? And I haven't been doing it enough. And I'm going to start doing it because David inspired me to do so. David wasn't caught up in a shame that he couldn't pray and that he, that he couldn't pray this prayer. He wasn't caught up in his shame to where he thought, well, no, I just can't really pray this for God because I failed too many times. He also wasn't so prideful that he thought, oh, I don't even need to pray this. I know that I'm prone to wonder. So for you, whether it's prone to temptation with, with sexuality, prone to temptation with uh, slothfulness or undisciplinedness, whether it's greed, covetousness, jealousy, gluttony, anger, wherever you're prone to temptation, God invites us to, to pray, Lord, protect my heart from those things. Let me not eat of their delicacies. He doesn't want us to have a battle alone. So without shame and without pride, David admitted that he was prone to wander, and he asked God to protect his heart from temptation. Next, he would boldly ask that even if he was fulfilled to temptation, that he would actually have people come and correct him. This is the wildest of the five prayers, in my opinion. Fourth prayer here, make me correctable. Let a righteous man strike me. That is kindness. Let him rebuke me. That's oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the, you know, the deeds of the evildoers. What an amazing prayer. How many of you have prayed that before? Lord, send someone to rebuke me. <laughs> Come on. Someone, someone sprayed that? Well, we got a few. <laughs> That's good. Amazing prayer. And again, you get the repetition. It's done twice. Let a righteous man strike me, and then let him rebuke me. David prayed, you know, for his mouth to be guarded. He prayed for his heart to be protected. But then he's saying, if there's anything else, like send someone my way to help correct me. An amazing prayer. And this wasn't something that was unfamiliar for David, because if you read the Psalms and read other parts of David's life, he was ready to be rebuked. He was ready for someone to give him guidance. He prayed often that God would convict him. Listen to his prayer in Psalm 139. He says, search, my, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious ways. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That was a common prayer of David's. In Psalm 19, another prayer that he prayed, he said, who can discern my errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins that they might not rule over me. 
This was David's posture of his heart. He wanted it. He welcomed conviction. He wanted to see God search his heart and draw things out. And not only that, he experienced people coming to him and rebuking him like this. So you remember the story when David committed adultery and then with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered. That Nathan then, God sends Nathan the prophet to come to David. And Nathan comes to David, King David, with a story. And the story is that there's a rich man, there's a poor man. Rich man has lots of livestock. Poor man just has one goat. And then a traveler comes, and the traveler comes to the rich man's house and says, can I stay here? Can I stay? Can you prepare something for me? And the rich man, instead of using all the livestock that he had, he goes and steals the one sheep of the poor man and prepares dinner. All just a story. Nathan proposes this to David. What should be done? And David said, that man deserves to die, and he should pay back four times the amount of what he's done. And right then, Nathan looks at him and says, that man's you. And David immediately says, I've sinned against the Lord. He took it in. He too welcomed the rebuke of Nathan, and he was welcomed to correction and the repentance that followed. Or on another occasion, this happened to David too. Another occasion, there was a rich man that had a bunch of cattle, had a bunch of land. His name was Nabal. And Nabal, who's going to go, uh, asked if, his, if Nabal would let his troops kind of get supplied and get rested and get food. And Nabal sent back a message back to David and his men and said, no. And he kind of despised David. So David, in his own anger, decided he's going to go take the land from him anyway. And he's on his way with all his men to just go take down Nabal and all his land when Nabal's wife hears about it. And she comes and she meets him along the way and she tells him, do not do this. Do not act out in your own vengeance. You know what David said? It's amazing. He said, praise the Lord for sending you and preventing me from bloodshed. Amazing. That a woman would come to him and rebuke him and he would listen and would respond and he turned back away from a sin. How many of you, when you've been rebuked, would ever say, thank God for sending you? Pretty hard to do. But that's what David wanted to see in his heart. Like he wanted to have that kind of a heart that would respond to people. And so he's praying, God, let people rebuke me. Make me correctable. Make me the type of person who will respond when someone challenges me on something. Incredible prayer, right? What would it look like if we were to all get involved in, in MCs and huddles and get involved in the communities within our church? Well, we would invite people actually to be a part of our lives to the degree that we would say, I welcome you. I welcome you to correct me, to see if there's anything in me that you want to point out. I challenge you to challenge me. I'm an open book. We have to have those kind of relationships with people. Proverbs 26, 7 is one of my favorites. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but enemies multiply kisses. Wounds from a friend, people that you have that are close, that you've invited to, re to rebuke you, you've invited to, to challenge you, those friends can be trusted. But an enemy just multiplies kisses. You don't want just a bunch of yes men and yes women in your life. You need someone who will challenge you. So David, when thinking about what he wants for himself, he says, I want the nearness of God. That's what I want most when I come to you in prayer. And I've got a problem with my tongue. God, help me with my tongue. And I'm tempted in these ways to protect my heart and even bring people into my life. Make me correctable. Those are the lead me not in temptation prayers. And then finally, he gets to his last prayer. Where he actually does pray a little bit more about his circumstances. He prays, keep me safe. In verse eight, but my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you, I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps of the e set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Finally, he comes to a place where he's asking God for something for himself and safety. 
Now, again, we don't know the circumstances of this psalm, so we don't know what was happening in his life, but we do know, like I said before, that David had conflict all around him at all times, whether it was with Saul, whether it was when he was king, or whether it was his broken family and all the things that happened to him. So whatever the situation was here, David needed safety. He needed God's protection. He needed God to protect him on whatever it was that he's going through. And so simple prayer is, God, keep me safe. You see it again, the double, the double repeat here. He does it again. Do not give me over to death and then keep me safe. He's looking at his life and he's just asking God for protection. David sought God as a refuge for all of his life, whether it was when he's a shepherd and he's chasing down lions to protect his sheep, whether he refused to wear the armor of Saul because he trusted God to protect him when he fought Goliath, or whether it was the two times that his men wanted him to kill Saul, but he refused to do so because he said, God's my refuge. I'm not going to trust God to protect me and keep me safe. Or whether it was even near the end of his life when his sons rebelled against him and he let them be the coup, but he trusted in God to keep him safe. Like in his eyes, God was his refuge. God was his refuge who he trusted in all things. And he's saying again here, God, I trust you. You're my refuge. You're the one I'm hiding to. I'm trusting you for protection. Keep me safe. And while we, we might not have literal armies coming against us like David did, we've got our own situations in life. And it's wise for us to pray prayers like, God, protect me and keep me safe when the coworkers are coming against me. Protect me, God, and keep me safe when I'm in a legal battle. Protect me and keep me safe when I'm battling illness. Protect me and keep me safe when I'm battling this depression. Or protect me and keep me safe in this financial situation that I'm in. Protect me, keep me safe from this friend that's betrayed me or for all of us. Protect me and keep me safe from the spiritual battle that's all around me. Keep me safe. What a great prayer. And it all begins by where you fix your eyes. I love what he says there. I fix my eyes on you, sovereign Lord, and make you my refuge. We can have our eyes on our problems or we can have our eyes on God. And when we put our eyes toward God, we can say, I'm trusting you to protect me no matter what's happening in the situation. What would you think about adding these prayers to your personal life? What things do you pray about most? Are you like me? The things like, yeah, I think I need to pray about myself a little bit more. And not just prayers for my circumstances, yellow God welcomes that, pray all those prayers too. But how often do we sit and pray like David and pray for our own spiritual health, our own growth and transformation? It's something that I want to make myself more aware of and something that I want to do. I asked myself finally at the end of this week when I was studying this passage, like what, what was it that David made David want to pray something like this? Why would he pray this way? And I think it's because he knew what kind of man he wanted to become. He knew what he wanted most and what he wanted God to do in his life. And so if that's really what he wanted, that's what we do for, right? We, we pray for what we want. We pray for the things that are most a burden to us. And from David's perspective, one of his biggest burdens was that he would be righteous, that he would be changed, that he would be the type of man that experienced nearness to God, like that closeness to God. He wanted to be the kind of man who, who, who saw God purify his tongue and get better and better and use his tongue for good rather than for evil. He wanted to see himself not prone to temptation, but delivered from evil. He wanted to see himself as a humble, correctable man. He wanted to be kept safe. Like those are the things that David wanted most. And so because he wanted the most, those are the things that he naturally prayed toward in the psalm. And so I started to ask myself the question, what do I want most? Like, is this really what I want for myself? And if it is, I'm promising to you today that I'm going to start praying these prayers more for myself, and I hope that you would consider doing the same.
What kind of person do you want to become? And pray toward that end. We do that with me? All right. I'm going to ask our uh, communion folks to go ahead and get ready to, for communion. And as I do, I want to kind of bring us back to that temple, that, that picture of the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, <clears throat> like I said, there was the holy place where the incense were continually lit. There was the holy of holy place that only the high priest could enter. And only once a year to make atonement, both for his sins and the sins of all the people. That was the, the, the nearness that David wanted, but David couldn't get there. David couldn't be a high priest. David couldn't even be a priest to get into the holy place. But because of what Jesus has done for us, now we all have that access, not just to go into the holy place and be closest to light the incense. We get to go right to the very throne of God because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what we're going to celebrate here as we take communion. If you look in Hebrews chapter 10, I love these verses here that describe what Jesus did for us. Hebrews 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we have confidence to enter the holy place. We can be closer to God than David could. How? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. So how do we gain access? We gain access by his blood and by his body. And that curtain when Jesus was, uh, the curtain that separated was separated when Jesus died, giving us that access. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. We can draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance of faith because our hearts have been sprinkled and cleansed from our guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. He will hold us fast. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Mm-hmm.